0: Ninety-six percent of school administrators, ninety-three percent of teachers, and eighty-one percent of parents in the U.S. believe that social emotional learning is as important as as academic learning, but that only twenty-two percent of teachers feel prepared to deliver in that space. Welcome to the Up Level Podcast. The podcast that makes our world a healthier, more alive, and connected place to be. After listening, you'll have practical tools you can start using right away to up level the world around you. We're your hosts, Christy Mann and Rachel Baldi. Let's up level now. Hello, up levelers. This is going to be really exciting because we're talking about coaching mindset, and I'm so excited to bring you our friend and colleague, Quinn Simpson. And there she is. Hello. Welcome Quinn to the Uplevel Productions living room, creating a coaching culture. And to have you representing Graydon to get into a coaching mindset for educators feels so important during these times. So before we dive into that, I am going to let everybody know what In's all about, and some of the things that you've been up to that has supported you in creating this great organization. So Graden is an organization working to revolutionize the ways we support, empower, and connect with the next generation so that they can thrive at school and at home. Together with more than 224 schools and universities worldwide, Graydon has been at the forefront of the coaching mo- movement in education since twenty eleven. Quinn has over twelve years of experience in coaching, teacher training, and learning content creation for teachers, students, and parents. How important is this, my friends? And she's a certified coactive coach. She's an NLP coach practitioner, and at the young age of twenty four, she co founded a small charity called Ecosia. <laughs> that operated for ten years using coaching as a facilitation technique in filmmaking projects for underprivileged children and women. What important work! With a deep passion to improve well-being in schools, Quinn currently sits on the board of Friendship in Action, a Toronto-based charity that aims to increase emotional and social intelligence in schools. So, thank you, Quinn, for being with us today, and what. Excites you most about having this conversation today?
1: I think I'm most excited, but I I love the idea that I don't know where it's going to go, and that feels so true of every coaching conversation. And that there's something in that. Not to say that this is going to be a coaching conversation over the next 45 minutes that I'm going to come out feeling what I feel after a coaching session, but I kind of have a feeling I will, just because of the nature of you and I and talking about important things always makes me feel alive. So I'm excited for that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yay to aliveness. And speaking of which you are 39 weeks.
1: No, 37. I'm 37, 37 and a half. So I'm like almost 38.
0: (laughs) Okay. And so even, you know, when you talk about aliveness, it's wow. That's, you are growing a life in you, my friend.
1: There is a baby down here.
0: It (laughs) It is real. And, so before we get more into grading and the process of how you help schools create a coaching culture and help teachers come from a coaching mindset, what was your personal path to coaching?
1: So it, it actually really links to education because I struggled a lot academically as a kid when I was young. I actually also struggled socially. I was having trouble playing with other children and all my teachers were kind of always trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And I was being sent to like different doctors and just in general, it was like, oh, like Quinn needs help. It was the kind of the feeling of that. And then I saw people and I got help and that was great. But then it was when I was in high school that all my friends were struggling more than I was. So now the tables had kind of turned and I had found my way and I had found a way of living in this world and my friends couldn't deal with it and all the while i was like people need help <laughs> and no one's helping them and I was so frustrated with the adults. That's kind of how I saw it. I was like, parents and teachers and anyone that's around these people, they're not giving them what they need. And so I was doing interventions with my friends who, who were like bulimic and anorexic. I was like trying to help them work through that. And I didn't know what I was doing. And then I was a camp counselor. And I feel like all of these formative years showed me that there was like a better way of approaching... A person to help them through something, whatever the thing was. And so when I was at university, my mom sent me a book, which was written by a life coach. And she was like, I think you're supposed to be a life coach. <laughs> and I was like, I think you're right. I like read the checklist and yeah. I just found it. And I was like, this is the most empowering way to help someone. And it should, therefore, in my eyes, be in every nook and cranny of where we help people, whether that's being a doctor or it's an educator at school, or it's your manager
0: at work. I've known you for many years, but I've had to hear (laughs) the origin story, which is so, it makes perfect sense because what you've been able to co-create with your business partner, Mackenzie, has been a real expression of your lived experience, of your challenges, of not getting the type of listening or acknowledgement or just uh, the right question that would help you unlock something. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. So, you know, this whole series, we've been really focused on creating coaching culture and a lot of our guests are from organizations where they're responsible for creating learning and development and coaching culture on the inside or their external consultants who are doing that. Right. And what we felt was so important about having you and Graydon represented is because obviously a school is an organization. Right. And yes. yeah. now more than ever, because of the state of the world, the next generation needs this support. And so what was the moments or the Can you take us back to the moment when you formed Graydon? You formed this concept to bring coaching cultures into schools.
1: So there were two kind of significant moments, I guess. One is I was uh, sitting with Sir John Whitmore. So one of the founding fathers of coaching who, you know, invented the girl model and was pushing coaching kind of out of. Being a race car driver and sport, like he was, like sport people are doing it, and kind of in the '90s, being like, we need to bring this into the corporates. And at this point, I was 24, 25 maybe, and John was my friend's father. He just happened to be his father, and so we were at tea, and he said to me, "You know, Quinn, you can't change the world one person at a time. I really love that you want to coach young people. Kind of like good for you, a little pat on the back." He's so like, "You need to think bigger." He's like, you have the energy, you have the the vision and schools need you. Like they are archaic. We all know this. We've been talking about this for a long time, which by the way, this is 15 years ago. So it's even more frustrating because we're still talking about it, but irrelevant. He was just like, you, you have to bring them coaching. Just imagine, he used to always give driver's ed as an example. What if every driver's ed instructor was trained in coaching skills and that precious time that a young person is learning how to drive a car which in itself is a challenging learning experience what would it be like if that person was really trained and skilled at helping them think for themselves and work through learning the skills themselves and and that was just it was just very powerful like I remember like we left we were walking on Oxford Street together and I was like cool. So I'm going to just go transform education. And he was like, yeah. And then we like parted ways and I was like, okay, cool. And then the, the only person that I would do it with was Mackenzie. We had been working together. We had been like kind of thinking about young people and how to approach schools, how to bring coaching into the student life. So we weren't really thinking about staff. Cultural transformation wasn't at the forefront of our minds. We were like, okay, young people need personal development and growth time. How do we help schools realize that they need that? And so the kind of other moment, I suppose, is sitting with Mackenzie. I actually remember, again, exactly where we were. The other one, we were in the Wallace Collection in London, me and John. And then Mackenzie and I were in this coffee shop in Notting Hill, maybe even a pub, actually. I just know we were upstairs. (laughs) yeah <laughs> and, and we were like writing like literally like writing the names of what it would be called and initially we called it great in wellness it was about wellness it was like how do we bring well like well things into structures and then we were like but if we call it great in wellness and then we want to be like great in rock stars then <laughs> <laughs> we have kind of pigeonholed ourselves so so we decided to just make it great in, and then we would decide what it wanted and needed to be based on its level of growth in the coming years.
0: And what does the word graden signify or what's the significance of it?
1: We named it like a child. We named it like, you know, you have to say the name of your organization so often. And I had read a book called Whatever You Think the Opposite by Paul Arden. And he gave the example of Kodak. So at that time, I was 27 when we started in and I had read that book a few years ago and I was like, we just got to choose a name that like we can hang meaning on, you know? Yeah. Google has a meaning that isn't just Google. Apple has a meaning that isn't just Apple, but it now means two things. You know, it means a crunchy, juicy fruit and a computer organization. Like it's hard to conceive that before you start something, but we just wanted a simple name that would grow like a child and decide who it wanted to become.
0: And it certainly has. Um, I know. Through at up level productions, we are, we have the honor of being licensees of yeah. your work. Yeah. And Rachel Baldy, my business partner at up level productions. She is a faculty member for In, or a coach and coaches teachers who have been through the training. And so, and some of our other colleagues. So just the ripple effect of what you created in the coaching community, how it's created jobs right? It's created jobs and it's created so much purpose inside these 224 education organizations that you've been able to impact. So I want to hear more about that methodology, but before we go there, let's contextualize it. Why is it important in this moment in time that an education system organization have a coaching culture?
1: I find it hard to answer at this moment in time, even like now more than ever. Like what's really unfortunate within education is that we've needed it for so long. We've been asking for it for so long. Students, teachers alike, parents going to the schools and asking for it. So there's a part of me that feels saddened to answer that. Like why now? Why is it so important? And also it feels not obvious, but like, we just went through a global pandemic. There's a war. Terrible things are always happening in the world. And our young people are not necessarily so resilient. Like, I feel like there's this like, young children are resilient. It's, yeah, well, when they've been through a lot of trauma, that that doesn't mean that they're not going to feel that. No one comes out of a traumatic experience, whether it's big T or little T trauma, and isn't a different person in some capacity. And so so yeah, I think like why now is that a lot of things are happening in the world. A lot of things are happening on a micro level in families and people are losing jobs and, and are having challenges in their own little like organisms and then that's coming to school and that's being a part of the child's everyday life. So so something we're really interested in right now is You know, schools do a lot of surveying and data tracking of what's going on for their students. Some do it more than others, but they're always trying to understand what are our students going through and how do we help them? And I think for Graydon, we've always thought like coaching is the way to help them. Mm -hmm. But if we can try to help schools who are doing this kind of tracking and, and are interested in trying to figure out how to help them best, we can train them in coaching skills. They can use that data better, you know, cause they're like more and more. We have more data. And I think that's something that we've become more interested in. And, and because of the world, because of the access to technology, schools are doing that kind of work. And so, yeah, it's a long winded answer.
0: <laughs> well, it's, you know, you have some of these stats on your website, which is really great that 90% of School leaders have reported an increase in anxiety in, in the students or stress. And that, that was over the last five years. We know things have accelerated over the past two years. And also on your site that 96% of school administrators, 93% of teachers and 81% of parents in the U.S. believe that social emotional learning is as important as an, as academic learning but that only 22% of teachers feel prepared to deliver in that space. I know,
1: it breaks my heart.
0: And that is heartbreaking, you know, yeah. and that's where I know um, being able to witness you over the past 12 years building this, <laughs> building grade in and building the products, so like, yeah, I see you getting teary-eyed. Of yeah. like, you know, what is heartbreaking to you about the teachers not feeling prepared for social emotional learning?
1: I mean, it it really struck me in the pandemic because 2020 was like the year that when we started grading, we were like, by 2020, it was literally the year that we chose because it was 2011, our first course ran December, sorry, January, 2012. So we were like, it's about, it's almost a decade away, you know, it's eight years away. So we can make progress in that time was our perspective. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, wow had we done more work, had we worked with 5,000 schools, you know, had we worked with millions of teachers, they would all not be struggling like they are. Like we have, it's like having a key to a gorgeous, beautiful, I don't know why this is coming to me, but spa is coming to me. And somebody really needs to relax. And you're like, sorry, you can't have the key, like you just—that was a terrible metaphor. But you know what I mean. Like it's just like having something, access to something, and not being able to get it to them. It was horrible. Though the the teachers that we had worked with, like sharing with us, I'm so glad I had learned coaching skills before this. Had I not, I don't know what I would be doing right now. It's it's the key to being able to talk to my students online. I felt you know the silver lining was that we had worked with some schools, but just. The idea that we could have worked with more, I think that makes me sad that there are teachers who are struggling right now to do something and I could help them, but I don't have access to them. Yeah. That's heartbreaking because That's the heart- they need it. They need it. They want it. They would love it. There's no, I don't have a question about would they like, would they love it? Would, it? would it be good for them? It's like, no, of course it would be. It would be amazing. It would but, be amazing. Like,
0: Sorry? Well, it'd be amazing. And that's why coaching skills, we we want them embedded in school curriculums so that everybody's getting, these are life skills, they're communication skills. They're getting them from that young age. So then if they choose to become a teacher, uh, they already have them in their toolkit.
1: Yeah. Or if they go anywhere in their life, that's what we, you know, I think to myself, like, and I know we're going to talk about a little bit of, of like how do we work with an organization, but essentially, if the teachers know how to coach the students, but the students don't know how to coach each other, then we're missing a trick. So there has to be a point in a school's growth in building a coaching culture where they eventually are, are training the students in how to have those types of conversations and saying, okay, break off into your coaching pairs, you know, and coach each other for ten minutes and. You know, there's so much desire to control what happens in a school that a lot of the time there's a fear of what if something comes up in those conversations and the students can't handle it? What would happen if that wasn't what happened, but something else happened and they couldn't handle it? What are you going to do in that circumstance? Like you can't expect someone to, you can't expect that a conversation is going to be worse. Than dealing with it on their own. That's not a, a good assumption in my eyes. And so, well, like, when I was in South Africa, for example, doing, we were doing the, our B course. So that's our well being kind of coaching curriculum for students. The, all the students after were like, I didn't know that telling someone my secrets would help them understand me better. And I was like, how is that possible? But yes, like, Thank goodness you do now. Like now, you know that sharing these very challenging things that these young people are going through is only going to help. Like they have new friends. Like they were walking away, being like, "Look at my new friends," and I was like, "Great," <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: The impact of, yeah. we could take the word out, uh, coaching out, and just call it a human conversation yeah. where both parties are able to listen and ask a question that helps that person open up and share and feel safe. And so tell us the process for grading When a school contacts you or you contact school from kind of beginning to end, how does the process work?
1: So the first kind of moment of or like a conversation is very much about what are the growth areas that the school is looking to work towards. So maybe they have a kind of five-year plan or strategy. We want to know what that is so we can figure out what aspect of that coaching can work with. But then there's the other side, which is just like, what are the challenges that you're facing? What are the things that are just like not going well right now that we could also bring coaching into? And not to say that we're going to only target those areas, but it's really important that the person who is going to do this has a really strong purpose. Like they know exactly where coaching is going to go, what it's going to do, who it's going to help because they need to be able to enroll everyone else in that kind of purpose. But purpose quickly turns into vision because then it's it's not just like kind of that why route of, you know, what am I trying to do? It then becomes like, and what would it look like if it happened? So that's kind of part of the process.
0: It's identifying yeah. to that person so you know it's no different from when we go into a corporation a business <laughs> There's always an advocate or yeah. the raving fan. Perhaps yeah. it's someone that is a coach themselves already or they've been exposed to coaching the impact of it. They have a coach and they know that this is going to transform the culture and this is going to support whatever the areas of need move forward. And so so step one is like identifying that advocate and then ensuring they understand what they're getting, like signing up for. hundred percent. You
1: know, and we like, yeah, whether they're like... Initially, a champion, an advocate, whatever you want to call them, and then eventually becomes either their job role or someone's job
0: role. Critical, uh, right? Yeah, For really critical. Culture. Someone yeah. needs to hold this. It needs to be part of their role. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and I, happens- I,
1: well, well, and I think it's interesting because a lot of the time people will be like, they won't understand kind of why it needs to be someone's job or 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 what is so important about someone holding it. And I I just always think about like, there was like the first school, like they didn't have lots of different, was there an IT person at a school, you know, in the 1920s that was working on computers? No, like, Again, like as the times change, we need to change with it, and we need to create like literal role job roles in my eyes that support the effort. So, if a school doesn't have a director of well being, how are you? Th- how do you think anyone's going to pay attention to that? Everyone is so busy, focused on their little domains, especially in a school because it's so siloed. You know, like the geography teachers—they're all working together—and then in a primary school, you know, like kind of like grade three and up, maybe working together more than grade three and below. Okay. You're back.
0: And, and you're actually, there's a great question in in the chat that you're answering right now. And the question is from Corinne saying, if, how can they have a vision if they don't know or understand coaching?
1: Well, exactly. So beautiful question to lead on to. Often what I say to them, sometimes they have a vision. Like sometimes it's just depending on the school context. They're they can be so separate, like they're the adult in the classroom. They literally call me and they're like, I want to do this, I want to see this change, I want to work on this, and I want to go here. I'm like, great. I right. don't need to do much work here. But sometimes they don't. And so what I say to them is, come and come and take the first course. Take the foundational course, which we call the anatomy. And once you've taken the anatomy, you'll be able to shape the vision. And then if they can afford it, if they have the budget for it, I would push it further and say, bring three or four other uh, team members with you, staff members with you, so that you can all form a vision together. Because yeah. to rely on one person, you know, is too much. And the idea that they can come together and be like, okay, well, this is how it's going to work in our organization. This is what it's going to be different about us. I think there's a really important moment for them to do that. And that's, they can't do that if they don't understand what coaching is. So they ha- absolutely have to take that course.
0: Yeah. And so can they take your coaches, uh, sorry, your courses through an open enrollment process yeah. or do you? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah.
1: So we have both. We have an open enrollment set of courses throughout the year and then we have private courses like within a school. And I think it it, you know, it takes a certain type of school, a certain type of budget to be able to, you know, go the full distance in one year, for example. So like the Longy School of Music, which is a conservatory in Boston, you know, they really felt like having a career coaching program was important to them. And so they did our three courses in succession. It was in March, May, and August and they were running their own courses by January. So like they literally within like less than a year, they had trained a good number of their staff and were able to train more and bring it into the student context really easily. But they came with vision. They came with purpose and an understanding of exactly what they wanted to do. The average school doesn't know that yet. So they're looking at coaching and they're thinking to themselves, okay, so how can I make this work in our context? And that can take in itself like six months, that, that process of where does this fit? How are we going to do this?
0: And this one particular school that you've just mentioned where right. so many of them really sounded like they had the vision, there was a, a like-minded value system around the way that they wanted the culture of the school to go. What's been the impact in that particular school from having so many people share the vision?
1: Well, I'd say that's actually maybe a different context because it was less about culture change and more about creating a like really, I mean, it's very specific and I can talk more about culture change in another organization, but about Longy, which I do think is a really interesting org, they just saw that musicians, so many musicians were setting themselves up for not failure, but they were like, I want to be in the best symphony in the world. And then when they didn't get into it, they didn't have a career or backup plan. And Longy felt like it was their responsibility to help them. I think it was like about the career coaching program. You know, it was like, how do we do that? And I think that what I was so what I was so shocked by actually, and what I was so delighted to see was how many... like most of the staff, if not every single staff member is an excellent musician themselves. And a lot of them were just so, what is the word? Like just kind of not floored because that feels more dramatic, but just very touched or hit by the idea that they didn't have to be perfect. And I think that in the world of music, you know, there, you know, did you hit every note? Did you play it well? Like, I think there is that. And I think, that transfers into lots of parts of our world too, but I think that just bringing that energy into the, the, into Longee was important for them. As she's the, been the director there for a long time, the last three years, and she's done an incredible job of bringing it into the students' lives in that, like, they have coaching conversations throughout the year. So the students are really supported by those conversations as they work through their other musical practices and everything they're there for.
0: I mean, clearly this is a really um, uh, motivated group of humans. What have you seen in a school where there's resistance or there's not an awareness of coaching, but you've got one person that's needed to do this? What's your guidance for that person?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's typical. <laughs> that's usually what happens. There's one person that may have told like their friends and they want to make it happen. The thing like, so we talked about like purpose and vision and that's wonderful, but ultimately people can't coach unless they know how to coach. So there has to be a time where everyone is trained in how to do it. And so yeah, they need to like believe that it's a great thing, but coaching can feel for so many people quite abstract. And so I think it's a really important stage where we kind of look at it as there's the learning stage and then there's the sharing stage. And so the learning stage is like, everyone needs to learn what this is. Everyone needs to sink their teeth in. They need to be coached. They need to coach. They need to see it in lots of different contexts. They need to hear their, you know, senior leadership team talk about it in lots of different ways. And then, then once that's happened, which could for some schools take five years, you know, it depends on the context. Once that's established and everyone knows what it is then they can start to think about how do we share this further how do we bring it to our students how do we bring it to our parents if, if there's any like long term goal that Graydon has always had it's like that it's shared within the community that it's it's not just siloed to an organization and and just within this little like organism and that it's but that it's like being sprung outwards so that when parents are coming in for parent teacher night or they're calling the school or they're sending an email They know that the interaction they're going to get is more coach like, and that's what they're even asking for. They're not saying to the teacher, Give me ideas, give me advice, tell me what to do, but rather, instead, that you know, teacher, educator, or whoever they are is going to coach them. And they know that and they want that because how can you expect, how can you tell your child to want to be coached if you don't want to be coached? You know.
0: That is so, so key. <laughs> that is so key. And so for the, the folks that have been asking about how do you influence your organization, I think Quinn's pulled up a couple really important steps. And if it feels like, wow, that's a long time. And I don't know if I have that time. And it's a lot of energy. And yeah. you probably have another role on top of your passion to bring coaching into your organization. And so make sure you have a coach, you have someone supporting you, in your role so that you can talk about this vision that you're holding and where quinn's pointing us is expose the other people into the organization maybe you yourself if you are coach trained you can have like mini bike coaching sessions so that they can see the impact host like little uh lunch and learns where you bring in a coaching skill so that they can again experience it that is really key so Quinn, I want to make sure we're um, getting the process of grading yeah. out because I know we're going in a few different places, but what feels important about if a school is hiring Graden to come in that you want to make sure people understand happens?
1: I think, I mean, our bottom line has always been that everyone needs to understand what it is. So I think the thing that people are, that need to know about working with Graydon is that we're not gonna we're not gonna do a one hour workshop. I don't believe in that. I don't think it's gonna do anything. And if you want real change, everyone needs to sink their teeth into this. I also often say when people are, like, Well, we're not ready for this, or what if people leave the school? I'm like, Good riddance. That's excellent. Because who wants people? If you're, if you have a vision for your organization and enough other people have the same vision, you don't want these people to stay who don't believe in it, who don't see it too. You actually want them to leave. And that can be really hard to swallow for a, a senior administrator or senior leader, whatever their role is. And so. So for us, it's like, this isn't insignificant. And so, yeah, you just, you made a mention of what if somebody kind of wants, you know, five years, that's a long time. How do I do this faster? There, there is no faster and there is a faster all at the same time. There is no faster because culture change doesn't happen overnight. So if you actually want culture change, you need to know that like culture change is a progressive type of change and it's going to have lots of little steps and milestones along the way. And the first moment in my eyes for every school that learns coaching is that everyone is capable and everyone is whole. No one is broken. We're not here to fix people. You know, we, no one wants your advice. So stop giving it. <laughs> you know, like, you know, so those are the early things. And I feel like that once, once people start like treating each other better, which is really that's, Ultimately, we have a a little like 90-minute class called Having Better Conversations with Heart. And really what this is about is like, how can everyone have better conversations every single day? That no conversation, no meeting, no any event that you have is ever left feeling like you didn't have a voice and that you didn't get to say what you wanted to say because no coaching conversation would ever allow for that. Anyone using coaching skills, maybe not like a proper coaching session, but.
0: Just appreciating the stand you are for the culture shifting, not just having a one-off great learning experience, but really it's like, how do we embed this into the entire organization and your stand for, yeah, some people might leave. That's real. That's real. And that's a good thing. You know, and that is a, a place that people will push back in the kind of business development process of this. So I, I'm appreciating like your, your fierceness around that, Quinn.
1: Well well thank you. And there's a question here which is what if the people are actually the senior leadership? Thanks. They're the resistance. You know, okay, well one, you probably might want to leave the school because if that's how they are, I don't know why you want to work for those kind of people and that's very unfortunate. But two, I also think some people need time. And they need to be, they they need scaffolding. They need you to show them in little micro doses what is possible. And that might, like I remember, so rugby school in the UK, I was in a, it was in a like very stuffy boardroom with, it was pretty much all men. I think the only woman that was on the leadership team wasn't there. And they were all like very, you know... British E. And uh, I was like, but, but I, you know, I was talking about it. And then this person actually said, they gave the metaphor that like, this was going to go down like a lead balloon. And I was like, okay, okay, cool. Thanks for the feedback. Great. And I, I kept doing my thing. I kept trying to explain it in different ways. And I said, can you just let me show you, like, Is someone in the room willing for me to coach someone for five minutes and let me show you what is possible with coaching. That person is now the, the head of coaching there and has been doing it for a decade. There's a million. Everyone's everyone in the whole school has been trained coaching skills. Basically, that school is a different world, not because of coaching, but it's but because of coaching and all the things that came with it as well. And it was that moment they saw someone who typically wasn't that they, they didn't see as someone that would be coached. And that person opened up to me and he I remember him being like, okay, but if I'm sharing this in front of all these people, and I was like, You're not, you're sharing this with me. They just happen to be here, it's fine. We're doing this. And they were like, if that's what's possible in five minutes with one of our staff members, everyone needs this. And they've they've been able to make everyone needs this part of what they do. So they their whole mission is whole person, whole and so you know, it was already there. They were a, a strong breeding ground, which is interesting because it's like a 600-year-old school. This is rugby; is like where rugby comes from, the sport. So, you know, it's, this is not a, a young little school. Rugby is as a really old school that's been in the town of rugby for a very long time and probably shifted over the years, but has shapeshifted, knowing that they can always do more. So. You ultimately need that as a breeding ground. You can't really go to a school where everyone's completely miserable and think you can bring in coaching and it's going to ch- change overnight.
0: So for that question, uh, get Quinn, bring her into your senior championship <laughs> team. Do a dance and, and do a dance and have her coach the, the, the toughest critic. Have her coach the toughest critic. It is key. It's the experiential piece and coach the toughest credit. Yeah. Have them have an experience of it. It's yeah. incredible. So when we were prepping for this, Quinn, you talked about the impact of the creating the coaching culture in the organization. And that's what you've been speaking to. It helps the administrators and the teachers work more effectively the teachers work together more effectively and the teachers with the students. And mm. then it's it's that web, if you will, that then creates the culture of coaching, that creates a mindset of inclusion, of diversity, of supporting the whole person and really having these skill sets that create this type of culture.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and I think the other thing that, is like on the flip side of all of that, if you do better, if you have better conversations every day and you change, people are going to be like, what are you, what was that? I liked that. It was different. How did you do that? So I also think the other side is just, like, you know, Son, Sir John Whitmore telling me like, you know, don't change one person at a time. He was right and he was wrong all at the same time. You know, like I do believe that one person can make a difference and one person can be the start of the waterfall effect. And that might have to have you change significantly. You know, like you might have to be really different than you were before. But you know, there's this, this one teacher at a school. Although I know I can say her name, but I won't say her name just for the sake of this, but she, every time these like quite tough people would come on the course, I was like, so how'd you hear about the course? And they would always say the that one person's name. They were like, well, if she liked it, then I need to know what this is. You know? I so that. I do think that you don't want to target the challenge, the most challenging people to get them on board. You want to target the early adopters and the early majority But sometimes getting someone to completely shift who they are, like the toughest critic type of person, sometimes that is really important. And so when you're running your first course in a school, I always say to them, I'm like, you know, don't tell anyone to take this course. I don't, this is not, this this has to be completely voluntary.
0: Yes. But if there's
1: one or two people whose eyes you need on this to say, this is right for our school or this isn't, then encourage them to come so that they can be that for you. Ask them to be there so they can actually judge for themselves if this is right or wrong. And I would say nine times out of 10, they're completely, they're like, they want to take the advanced course. They want to become a certified facilitator. Like they end up loving it so much. So I think when we think about resistance, it's often in our own heads. People are less resistant than we, when, than we think they are.
0: This is good stuff. So (laughs) the the five critical steps you need to take to embed the coaching culture, if you're going to give us those rapid fire so that people can hang on to them, what are the five critical steps to embed a coaching culture? So have a
1: purpose, clarify your vision, make it someone's job, enroll people, like, in a completely voluntary way. I don't know if this is going to end up being six, but then build momentum fast. So this can't just be like, have one person take a course one year and think that's going to do anything. So like, it's, you got to get the masses involved as fast as possible. And, and I do think that like the people who are going to be convinced that this is going to work might need research. They might need, they might need some evidence. And so I, I don't normally say this or I wouldn't often say this, but I think the last piece has to be something on track the progress, track the, re- do the research on what is happening and make sure it's actually doing what you want it to do.
0: And where would you point people who are trying to embed the culture, use these five steps to get some data or where is that there's some good documentation that they could use for their internal business case? So
1: we, I mean, we have in our, we have two coaching libraries. We have a coaching library for new coaches and one for advanced coaches. And in those, we've actually collected a lot of different research papers. So we have, that's if you sign up for those, but we, you know, we have some, I think what's hard, the hardest part about convincing people with research is that science suggests, I'm not convinced by that. I'm like, well, that's cool that that worked there that does not really mean it's going to work here. Or even if it worked in like 40,000 schools, your school might be the anomaly. And so ultimately what I try to say to people is you need to be hooked on the purpose and vision more than the like, this will lead to that because I don't think that neuroscience is still such a young field, you know, like we're still trying to figure out what like culture change, like the, I don't find anything that convincing, but I do think that you will be convinced when you start to see it happening in your school. So the best thing is just to start doing it and see what happens. If it doesn't work, do something else. But you have to try it. You have to test it for yourself because every school, every context, every everything is so different. Like, how can we be like, oh, they're doing it in Zambia, so we should do it over here. Well, maybe, but maybe not. You know, and so how can you be culturally sensitive and aware and context specific whilst also maintaining the, the beliefs of other places?
0: Quinn Simpson, <laughs> um, it's such, it's so good to talk to you and to drink from the well of Braden, from the well of your passion. And when we were preparing, you did talk about just go and sit in the staff room, oh, yeah. which you can't always obviously do, or the hallway of a school. Yeah, and as as we wrap this up today, mm-hmm. I, I want to know your vision for staff rooms and hallways of schools.
1: Love it! Thank you for reminding me of that. It, it's one of my—it's like a little bit of a sore spot, kind of thing of of the experiencing experiences of being in staff rooms when they don't know who I am. That's the key thing. If they know who I am, they would probably do what they did. But not knowing who I am and hearing yeah hearing people talk at each other, hearing people complain about students as simple as oh, like I had to help them find their backpack, and that I I can't be helping you share like how that's even coming out of your mouth to another human being in a staff room like and do you think the other person cares? no, no one cares about that like, I don't know how is that your conversation over breakfast, but that if and that actual person, she came on our course, she was about to retire, and she her, she had the best two days of her entire teaching career, was that what she told me after. And it was so interesting to me because I'd seen her in the staff room say that and then saw her transform over the two days. And she said, I just wish I had known about this 30 years ago. And I was like, yeah, I wish I had been like, you know, not five years old so that I could have, you know, helped you. But I was five. So I, anyway, so I think what I want to see in schools is a teacher is having a bad day, challenging work, like they just had a challenging class or they had a challenging moment with a student and either another teacher identifies that, you know, by saying, hey, it seems like something's going on with you right now, you know, does says it as they see it, you know, just has a moment where they, they spot that or the person actually says to them, yeah, like I just had a really tough class. And then the other person says, you know, hey, I've got 10 minutes you know, do you want to do some coaching? And that the person's, yeah, that would be really helpful. Let's just, you know what? Actually, let's just have a five-minute coaching conversation. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Like th- that conversation could happen with students, I- again, with a child coming to an adult saying, I need coaching on. I I just, I know that would improve every single um, day in, in a life of all these people because that's what's happening in the schools that we work in but also i just believe that that's beneficial to anyone in any context it's what i have in my family you know like my we have a partnership agreement my husband and i as my children get older i want to have a partnership agreement as a family i want us to be able to to coach each other and have important conversations you know as they come up not just oh go speak to your therapist about that next week you know like it 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 should be it should be five minutes here and there and and in the hallway is an example of that because there's lots of students sitting in hallways that aren't happy and are are struggling with the exam they're prepping for. And how can you go over to them and say, hey, I've got five minutes. Like, why don't I walk you to your next class and I'll coach you? Well, I'll ask you some questions. I'll get you to think for yourself. Or do it stealth. You know, it's obviously that you can't just do that overnight. So the initial thing is that you just ask more questions. Like, how are you really feeling? What support do you need right now? What are you working through? Get curious with each other.
0: It is a beautiful vision. And that's in the chat as well. For the sake of what, Quinn? For the sake of what? This vision for the sake of what?
1: Wellbeing, wellness. Like I, when I moved to America, I felt like everyone was so busy, worried about these like big problems. And I was like, Everyone kind of hates themselves. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about like how people really need to learn to love themselves? And that isn't just something that we're all going to do in our little silos that we can actually help each other learn to love ourselves. And if we loved ourselves, a lot of these things that people love to talk about as the big problems of the world would dissipate. But
0: that's easy to say. It's for the sake of humanity. I mean, yeah. and in in each of our conversations, that's why we're we're having these conversations because it is for the sake of humanity and it's for the sake of our well-being as we're here on this planet. And so Quinn, yeah, we got to yes, yes, priest, priest <laughs> self-love is the foundation. Quinn, where can people find you and pursue Graydon if this is something that's resonating for them and they're ready to bring it into their school?
1: Yeah. So our website's the best place where we're creating something, um, for a school, like a coaching plan, little survey that people can fill out. It's not on our website yet, but we're launching our new website in the next couple of weeks. And yeah, so just come to com, G-R-A-Y-D-I-N. And I think for us, we're not, yeah, you know, I don't want to sit on social media all day long and talk to teachers that, that way, but, but we do tweet. And we write blogs, and I think for us, you know you want to learn about coaching, come take a course like you're not gonna you're not gonna learn that much by reading blogs and random tweets and one minute videos if you want to transform your life, you have to actually put the time and effort in, and that's that's not just like a one shot thing and and the more and we also we run like monthly practice coaching sessions, and we always say, even if you don't know how to coach, come and we'll Teach you some skills first and then you'll go and practice. Like for us, everyone learn, everyone can coach. There's no one on planet earth that can't learn how to coach. Everyone can just not everyone has had access to learning the skills. So come and get access.
0: So you heard it here, folks. <laughs> Follow up with Quinn. Find Brigham. Take that first course. If you haven't already, get some coaching and just think about like the impact of bringing this into schools and. What Quinn and Mackenzie have been doing is a taste of it. And the vision that you're holding is so key for humanity. It is so, so key. And so for all the other uh, passionate people about creating coaching culture in the space of education, you've got a really good ally here. So, you know, this we got to do this work together because like you said, one person can make a difference. And <laughs> like John Zerwitmore said to you in your early days of your career. Let's go on system-wide so we can really create the transformation that we're out to do. Thank you, Quinn. We love you. All right. We'll see you all soon. Thanks for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe, download a few more episodes and leave a review. Also, we'd love to hear what key takeaways you had from this episode. Be sure to reach out to us on social media. You can find us by searching for Uplevel Productions or looking for our handles in the podcast description. We truly appreciate you. Thank you for coming to Learn, Love and Uplevel with us. Until next time.